Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rido, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is the one supplement that I make sure I take every single day, especially during these uh, COVID times. Your immune health is as important as anything. And um, this is the one thing I can't live without. We're uh, recording for the first time live today together in six months. Um, and I traveled to New York, forgot my athletic greens, and I had to call Rob to bring it, uh, bring me an emergency supply from uh, L.A. last night when he flew in. It was the one thing that I wanted to make sure he brought me from California. These guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to, to create this formula. It's made of 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It has vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, and antioxidants. It's literally all you need to be on top of your, uh, stay on top of your immunity, especially during these COVID times. Uh, 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. No need for multivitamins or whatever you're taking. This stuff has you covered. I can't say enough good things about it, honestly. I take it every single day. And I was taking a shake the other day after a bike ride, and a guy was with me said, um, what are you training? Why are you taking that? What are you training for right now? There's no races for a while. And I said, just, it just came out. I was like, I'm just training for life. I mean, this stuff keeps me healthy. I'm just trying to take care of my immune system. I've got four kids. I want to like have a long, long full life. And not that this is a longevity formula, but this all contributes to keeping you healthy, keeping you active, and um, can't say enough good things. Check it out, athleticgreens.com slash atlas for 20 free travel packs with your first order. Again, it's an awesome deal. We love these guys. I've been using this product for years before they were on board as a sponsor. Teddy, good to be with you. Keep, keep, your, keep, your, <laughs> keep your head too. I mean, it does a lot of stuff. It's, it's tremendous. It really is. It's like if you... If you wanted to keep an older car, not that he's an older car. I mean, he's... This is know, an old car. No, he's not an old <laughs> car at all. It's a Ferrari. We know that. We've been down that road before. But it, you, you would... What would you do? you put the best oil in there, right? you put all the best stuff in the system. Uh, you would make sure that you always had... Uh, had it checked out. You make sure that you always had the sparks changed, everything else. That's what that does. It's like changing the sparks, you know, every every week or so. And making sure that everything is lively, everything is energetic, everything is is striking the way it should be striking on all eight cylinders. Well, again, in Ken's case, it's uh, how many cylinders do your cars have? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve. <laughs> Twelve cylinders. I mean, that's my man. I like your shirt, by the way. We've got uh, young Teddy Atlas, young up-and-coming uh, scout for the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders with us today, special guest in studio. This is a collector's item, you, you know, because it's going to be changing to, That's uh, right. to Vegas. I'm lucky I have my son with me. I'm very blessed that him and his wife and his son came here to be with us for a couple of weeks and uh, to join us with my daughter and her two children and the house is uh Full of love, full yeah. of energy, full of noise. <laughs> you know the way it should be. Yeah, you know, and I it's know good to see you. It's uh, we haven't been together for how long has it been now? You said? Six months. Well, gee, wow, it's crazy. It's great. Well, it's good to be with you. I'd love to talk about some uh, UFC two fifty one with you. Yeah, uh, a good good show. I mean, we can. They put on, I mean, they put on good, solid shows. They've been, it, it wasn't, it's kind of like it got so built up, the Masvidal, we, we'll go right down the line yep. and um, of all the fights, but that fight with Usman got so built up, kind of like a Super Bowl. You get the hype in it. It doesn't always live up to, you know, to the yep. greatest Super Bowl in the world. But um, 
but there was a lot of a lot of variables in that fight. Of course, you know, Masvidal taking the fight on short notice. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of to me, you know, and we'll get into breaking the fight down. But just to kind of whip, whet the appetite to our great fans out there, hopefully, of where we're going. For me, that main event for it to live up to the height. It had to be, and and again, I I carry my boxing background with me, but it had to be Foreman, Ali, and Zaire. Mm -hmm. That that was how I was visualizing it because nobody gave Ali a shot, and Masvidal, you know, especially being on late notice, you know, nobody gave him really too much of a shot, and um, so it had to be that to really live up to be that kind of spectacle, that kind of event. It, it had to live up to that, and that was um, that meant that for that to happen, that meant that Masvidal would have to pull off an upset. Yeah, would have to go in there and find a way, you know, to shock the world, to to beat the stronger guy. And there's some parallels there because Usman, uh, the stronger guy, the the more physical guy, uh, the guy that wanted to be in close, Foreman was physical, wanted to be in close. And then the funny thing, as it was happening, I'm watching him. I'm saying, is there, is this a, is this an MMA version, a UFC version of the rope dope, but the rope cage? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was starting to, I was starting to get into it, like saying, wait a minute, he knows better than anyone, he being Masvidal, where he's at as far as his petrol, yep. as far as the gas tank. Yeah, he knows, and so here he is, where he's come up with the idea, maybe intuitively instinctively right right on the on the moment a lot of people thought ali invented that ahead of time no he didn't he he, he as the fight was going on it was hot it was in Zaire. you know he, he's got this uh this big brutal force coming at him and forming he he just started laying on the ropes and seeing that he could he could tire the guy out it mm -hmm. just started making sense yeah you know, it's like I say a lot of times. It's like the great musicians. They, they they play their own music. They 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 invent their own tunes. They make it up. You know, Jimi Hendrix with the guitar. You know, uh, Louis Armstrong on the horn. They they just start inventing their own stuff. And he started laying on the ropes, and it started making sense. Mm -hmm. You know, as the rounds went by. So I was starting to think maybe in some kind of innate way that Masvidal is, is understanding that, look, I don't have the juice to go all night here to do what I got to do because what he needed to do was box on the outside. Yeah. And that means not just moving your hands, moving your legs. Mm -hmm. It takes petrol. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you need to know it too. And so for me, I was thinking, gee, he can't win there, but maybe he can survive there long enough to pull off a surprise as... Maybe Usman gets tired the way Foreman got tired. Yeah. But Usman was smart. Yeah. He was smart because when he got inside, instead of doing the crazy stuff Foreman was doing, was was expending a lot of energy. He was throwing little shots to the body. Yep. And those little body shots are taking something out of you. Yeah. But we'll really examine that. We'll do the x-ray yep. vision on that coming, you know, as we go on. But uh so some people I'm sure they're gonna be disappointed with that main event. But I, I thought the other fights were the, the girls' fights. The other fights was really solid. Yeah, uh, they were they were good solid fights and uh, something. 
I, I sent out a tweet, you know, you guys are making me tweet, you know, Rob, Rob, he tells me you got to tweet. And so I sent out a tweet, rugged, rugged chess. Yeah. Because that's why I thought, because it's it's not, I want to remind people, it's not, I'm, I'm no, you know, I'm new to this, uh, to this business, but it's still fighting. Yep. And fighting to me, it's always about intellect, not just brawn. It's not just, it's just not. You know, all physical. Uh, the top guys, you know, are able to make themselves even tougher. All these guys are tough, but the top guys make themselves tougher by using this. Yep. You know, the little trickery, the as Don King would say, trickitation. <laughs> trickitation. <laughs> he got trickitation. So, and so I'm I'm keen to look for that. And you know, so I'm watching these fights with these these tough people, and. I'm still always seeing what I see in boxing. The ones that can mix in, you know, the intellect are the ones that have the edge. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, we saw a lot of that uh, during the course of the night. So go ahead, take me where you want to take me, whatever you want to do. Let's go right down the list, and we'll start with the uh, women's fight, Jessica Andrade against Rose, Thug Rose, Nama Yunez. And um, this, is, this was a rematch. Rose was winning the first fight, I would think most people would agree, and uh, Jessica Andrade got her in a high leg, single leg, and wrestling move and picked her up and literally dumped her down on her head and knocked her out, and it was obviously a huge surprise because Rose was the favorite going in and was winning the fight. This fight went uh, went the distance, uh, split decision win for Rose, incredibly tough women, my God. I mean, from the first days when women started fighting in the UFC only a few years ago, how much, how far they've come in terms of a technical skill set, like I would argue that they're on par with the men, not meaning that the women could beat the men, but just the, the efficiency and the technicalities that they're fighting with, they're fight, they, there's no drop-off there. And like some sports, you can see a drop-off from the men to the women. It, you just can't. These girls were so tough and... Uh, yeah, curious to hear what you thought about that one. What used to bother me about, well, I'm not afraid to tell the truth. What used to bother me about the women when we did the boxing, I admired them, I appreciated them. I, I had nothing but respect for them getting in the ring and doing what their calling was. Everyone has, has the right to their own calling. And uh, you, you got to remember, this was a different time. This was 20-some years ago. And I'm calling fights and women, uh, you know, a lot of people weren't really up to seeing women in the ring. And so it was a lot of baggage came with it. A lot of, you know, thinking came with it. A lot of, you know, uh, controversy came with it. And while we were putting them on ESPN on Friday Night Fights, the thing that would consistently come out for me was how tough they were. Mm -hmm. Like they were trying to prove themselves. But women are tougher than men in a lot of ways if you go through the history of the world. I mean, uh, you know, I know that men probably couldn't go through the pain of having a child. I mean, you know, uh, they'd be looking for, you know, every sedative there is. I mean, <laughs> you know, and then some. I was uh, looking for sedatives just watching my wife have a baby. Well, I, you are sedatives. <laughs> and you are looking for them. I mean, you found them. You, you discovered uh, but. All legal ones, by the way. But um, I just, I, I would always be struck by, you know, how gallant, how tough they were. And I just think that women, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we live in the kind of world where we don't think in those terms, especially back then. Now we do a little more. But they they have the capacity, uh, just like men, but they, in their own right, 
to really, really endure difficult things. Uh, you know, to, I mean, to be able to have the responsibility of raising children and protect them. I know we do too, don't get me wrong, but not on the same level. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't come out of our body. Yep. That genetic gene isn't there to, like, that's always connected to, like, you have to die to protect this. Yep. Like, we, we would die to protect our children, but it's a little different for a woman. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like there's a, a, a like a cord attached, like, you touch them, you touch, they, they it's always there, feeling. Yeah. And um, so I would always look at the toughness, and what would bother me was the more developed women that were the the top ones they they would develop pretty good offensively but defensively they come up a little short and now i see that they're getting better in those areas they're getting better in there i mean uh nama Nunes. yeah nama Nunes rose i just say rose um, you're the one who's here for the pronunciations. <laughs> she she used her legs more for defense. There's three lines of defense. You move your head, you block, or you you use your legs. So she used the legs more for the defense, controlling range, controlling distance. But again, back in the day when women were trying to come out into the boxing world, you'd see a lot of the tough ones that were Top ones that were very tough. They were pretty good offensively, but they come up a little short, uh, moving their head in in those areas, in the defensive areas. And again, you, you're seeing more development there, more advancement there. And there was a reason why they weren't good defensively because they were coming without a background. They were coming without the amateurs. The, the men were coming with 100 amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, you're learning to move your freaking head. But but when you got the women with no amateur pattern, they're just going into the pros, and you don't have that kind of training, that kind of experience behind it. Guess what you do naturally if you put somebody in there into a boxing situation, a fighting situation? They throw punches. Mm-hmm. You, you take them off to. You take them off to. They're gonna throw punches. They might not be the right punches. They might not keep throwing them for long. But they're gonna throw. But they're not gonna do this. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do this. They're not going to move their head. They're not going to, you know, understand those things. Those things have to be taught. The instinct to throw is instinctive. You're defending yourself. and um, But other than pulling away or just covering yourself and letting somebody pound away, that's about the extent of the defensive measurements that you would see or abilities that you would see back then in those days. Because, again, they didn't have the development place that they were coming from. Now they have more of it. Now they have, and you're seeing them develop in those areas a little bit. So the styles always make fights. No matter, again, another consistency in my world, in the MMA world, in the UFC world, styles always make fights. And this was Joe Frazier Ali, you know, to, to, to the extent of styles. Uh, where Rose, uh, Namanulez, and, and Andre, uh, Andre was the stronger physical fighter. She was coming forward. She was moving ahead, sometimes from a little too far away. Mm-hmm. But she was moving ahead, slipping. And uh, and then Rose was, again, was the alley. She was uh, a little bit more defined technically. Maybe a lot more defined technically. But that was also partly her, her temperament, her just her style that she would box. She would look to pick spots. She would look to... Uh, uh, to 
to be the one on the outside controlling range. And she won the first round, uh, boxing. But then I thought that Andre was coming on, going to the body. I don't know if she got enough credit for it, but she was going to the body good. She was doing some smart things too. Every once in a while, Navanuas would, would throw a left hook lead and Andre would throw a right hand right inside it. Uh, I, I saw that later in the fight. I thought, I thought it was a really good fight. Uh, again, you had the expertise, uh, the more defined skills, if you will, of of Navanunas uh, versus the physical strength and determination, relentlessness, uh, aggression of of Andre. Uh, I thought Andre won the second and third. Uh, it was it was close. I, I thought that she could have should have gotten a decision. Um, I'm also finding out another thing about UFC MMA. You know what it is, Ken? What's that? A lot of bad decisions. A lot of. Yeah. I'm not saying that was a terrible decision, a horrible decision. Only three rounds. You know, you could argue it, but I'm, I'm just seeing that they have their problems there too. Where sometimes you and I'm talking about in other fights. Not. I'm not using this as the example, yeah. but where sometimes you start to wonder: is it incompetence or is it corruption? Because they they still follow the money idea in this business. Uh, you, you think McGregor's gonna get a bad decision? In, no. in a tough fight, I mean, you know, it's a, so uh, you start, and 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 again, there's still not the national the situation where, like in boxing, where, like in basketball and baseball and football, where there are those mechanisms put into place to make sure somebody doesn't get to the officials. You know, there's more, and it still can happen, mm -hmm. but it's more difficult. It's a little easier to happen still in the combat sports, mm -hmm. especially in boxing. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not attacking USC. I'm just saying that, you know, th those guys can talk on it better than me. But from what I'm seeing, I got eyeballs. <laughs> and from what I'm seeing, you got a little problem. You got a little, like Robert De Niro said in the, uh, in, in the, what do you call it, movie? Uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You insulted them a little bit. Uh, a little, little bit. You got a little bit of a problem. Yeah. You got a little, maybe a little more uh, than a little bit in some spots. But, and then again, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's not having a, a trained enough officials. Uh, maybe it's not having a criterion of scoring that is definitive enough. Yeah. You know, really that you know, like in my sport, in boxing, it's supposed to be about who lands the most clean, damaging punches. Who lands the most clean, effective punches. That's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, and then they talk about ring generalship and all that stuff. Okay, yes. But it still comes down. You, you can't just be aggressive. You got to be effective. Yeah. It still comes down to who lands the most clean, effective punches. And so, again, you, you can pick someone up. You can put them down. I'm sure that that gives you an advantage. Yeah. You can get up from being down when, when you're trapped. That, that can be, uh, I would think, uh, rewarded mm -hmm. in, in the judging world uh, for the UFC, for MMA. So I, I, you just wonder, do they have a clear enough criterion in their minds for what it is that they're supposed to be dictating this decision on, mm -hmm. you know, and and you also worry that again the human element that they don't they don't favor certain styles that they like. Yeah, 
I remember Cuz used to go crazy. Everybody would say, you know, put a fighter in there. Put a fighter in there. Put a fighter in there. And Cuz would say, be careful with that because you'll get a fighter who liked to box and he hated the guys that came forward. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he judged to the boxer where maybe the guy who came forward should have got the decision. Or you have a guy who likes to come forward and he hates those guys that run. <laughs> you run. You know, I mean, they, they would go crazy. Why don't you stand and fight? Yeah. And, and now that guy's a judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe he's a judge who's 60, 65 years old, and he's a little cranky sometimes, <laughs> you know, and, and he's, he's looking at it and he's saying, I, I get this guy, you know, I can't get the gloves on anymore, but I, I hate these guys that move around like that, <laughs> that run like that. Oh, he, he lost that, huh? Yeah, <laughs> there's a nine. <laughs> there's another nine, you know. Yep. Uh, maybe I'm making an eight because uh, he ran even too much. So uh, there's different elements that uh, that sometimes, unfortunately, it brings me to compare with boxing. That some of these things. But uh, one thing that you can't get around the, the matchmaking. Everyone's world is a mismatch. Like the girls' fight, the first girls' fight was a mismatch. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, Paige Van Zant. That was her final fight on the UFC contract. So they sent her out with uh, with <laughs> submission a submission loss. Yeah, with a bang. Uh, Thanks for playing. <laughs> but but um, yeah. Again, it, it's certain, but on the whole, the matchmaking is is really solid. Very. I mean, it's 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 solid. I mean, and and I'll say it again. I said in one of our other broadcasts, one of the advantages to doing that and having competitive fights. Of course, you have a, one guy who's in charge, so you know he makes all the rules, and he's thinking about the sport. He's not thinking about just his stable. You know, I mean, in our business, you got a few power brokers, few promoters, and they're just thinking about their piece of turf. Mm-hmm. They're stable, staying undefeated. They don't care if the crowd gets a mismatch, yeah. but but Dana White cares because that that affects the whole sport. And so so it's easier in that way. If we're going to be fair about it, it's it's easier in that way. And another advantage they have, it's going to sound funny, but they don't care about losing. Now, see in boxing. Uh, I'll explain myself. See, in boxing, there was only a few fighters that it didn't matter if they lost. Tyson was one of them at, at, at the end. Uh, Arturo Gatti was another. Yep. Uh, Mickey Ward, to a certain extent, was was one. Like they Because they were always in a good, tough fight, and you knew where they belonged. You knew that you could count on them. You knew they were going to give you a great fight. Yeah. You knew that you were going to get theater. You were going to get drama. You, you know, you're paying your whatever you're paying to go to Broadway. You're getting a good play. Mm-hmm. You're getting good stuff on that stage, yep. you know, and you and you you're not worried about that. And so, but otherwise, in boxing, it's like you have to have an undefeated record, or they're not going to pay attention. Like the promoters have made it that way, the networks made it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have to be undefeated. So, the fighter doesn't get what they need sometimes to become a better fighter. Yep. They don't get the tough fights on the way up mm-hmm. that they need. They they get it afterwards. They get lost. They get their backside kicked. And then all of a sudden they get tough fights. <laughs> and they might become a better fighter then. Yep. And that's what's kind of happening in UFC from what I can see. What I can recognize is I see some of these, like our buddy Poirier, who's a, a tremendous a champion. And all these guys, go down to Gadget, what's his name? The guy that we saw not too long ago. What was his name? I'm not pronouncing his name. Oh, Justin Gagey. Gagey. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. I mean, you can name you can name 15 in a the, row. The main event, Masvidal has 12 or 13 losses. All of these guys. I mean, but you know what? They learned how to fight. It, it did them a favor. Exactly. You know they they didn't get they didn't get on 
by being 10 and 0, 12 and 0, 14 and 0, they didn't get the chance to get on pay-per-view and get paid that one time, but they learned how to fight. They got what they needed. Yep. Ultimately, they got what they It's like somebody out there who wants to be a welder. I don't know what made me think a welder. I don't, I don't know, but it's hot out. And they want to be, and they have to do an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. So you do an apprenticeship and you're not making big money, but you learn how to weld. And then later on, your reputation gets up and you get paid for welding because you learned it. You know how to do it. But if you just speed it up and you went out there and you, and the first time you welded and then the guy went to sit on the chair, oh, oh. <laughs> that wasn't well, that, that wasn't well, that, that wasn't done well. You're not making money no more. These guys learn how to weld. These UFC fighters, these MMA fighters, they learn how to fight. They get what they need. If it takes seven losses to get them to that level, that's what it takes. It doesn't matter. Once they're there, they're going to beat undefeated guys that haven't learned how to weld yet. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the edge. And that's the thing I love about this sport, that boxing could learn a lesson, do more of. There was a day back in my day, back back years ago, where there was a Buster Drayton, there was a Kelvin C. Brooks. Come on, Google, you guys. Uh, there was, there was um, who else? There was uh, Michael Weaver. He won the heavyweight title. He had a whole bunch of losses, mm-hmm. but he learned how to fight. And luckily, he got his shot. And they won world titles. Buster Drayton had about 12 losses, 14 losses, whatever. Seabrooks probably had more than that. And But while they were losing, they were learning how to fight. Where the other kids that were being babied and put in, you know, with some popcorn, you know, that they they weren't learning. They were they were getting their resume, their 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 record was getting better. They were getting some paydays. But then sooner or later, remember that commercial, that guy with the oil filter? <laughs> sooner or later you got you gotta pay sooner. Sooner yeah. or later. Pay me now or pay me later. Yeah. Pay me now or pay me later. Sooner or later you gotta pay. Yeah. And so that's to me the thing that holds back boxing is people are so afraid on the way up. Jerry Coon is a good example. He's a friend of mine. He comes to my charity foundation. He's got a radio show, him and Randy Gordon. They do a terrific job. But I wonder if you asked him his question. He, he's an honest kid. He would probably be honest about it. If his managers, and they were good guys. I mean, I don't know how he feels, but they, they, were, they were smart guys. Mike Jones and Dennis Rappaport, they were co-managers, uh, real estate guys. They were smart guys, smart business guys. You know, They were just learning the boxing business. They didn't know it, but they were learning it, and they learned it. They learned it, and I liked them. I, I liked Mike Jones especially. He was a friend of mine. And, but on their way up, they, they knew that you, know, you had a white heavyweight that could punch, and, and Jerry could fight, too. He had a good jab. He, he knew what he was. He had a hell of a left hook to the body. And they knew that if they developed him, they'd get a big, big, I mean, it was, you know, you're going to get a big money fight. Yeah. They wound up, back in those days, you know, everything is relative. Back in those days, it was a $10 million fight against Larry Holmes. Yeah. You know, uh, but, which was huge. But they knew, so when there was a, they also knew that he probably needed more experience. They had a good trainer, a guy that had been around, Victor Valley. Uh, he was a pretty good fighter. Uh, they knew that he needed a little more, but they couldn't take the risk because, because it was about building his record up and getting to that big fight. But if they could have taken a little more risk, a little more risk, it would have given him what he ultimately needed 
yeah. the right time before it's it's kind of like teaching your kids you know you just, they finally it's so bad you give them the discipline but it might be too late Mm-hmm. It, because it's too late in their life to give them the discipline. They're not going to listen. It's not going to be the same. You got to give them to them at the right stage, at the right age. The fighter needs those fights at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, while they still can develop in the ways they need to develop and believe in themselves and know that they can handle themselves. We won't need to know that. Fighters are no different. So when you're putting them in fighters, where, fights where there's no resistance at all, they're not developing in those areas. And then sooner or later, they're getting in there where they have to be developed in those areas, but they're not. And bang, something goes bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it shouldn't be a shock. You know, so what I, and, and uh, along the way with Cooney, they probably, some of those fights, they could have taken a little more risk where he was in there with guys that would have made him take a deep breath mentally. And I don't mean just physically yeah. give him work, but mentally take a deep breath in a fight. Uh, where they would have found out some things that were important later on. But again, it was they, they didn't want to take the risk. And the thing about the UFC, one guy running it, there is no risk because you lose. He's bringing you back yeah. because he knows you're tough. He knows you're, you're competitive at that level. So you're not going to get dropped out of the sport. You're not going to get dropped to the back of the line. You're going to come back, but you're going to learn. You're going to pick up the things. You're going to be a better fighter. Yeah. And that, so that's the one thing I see about the UFC is that they're not afraid to get losses. And the losses, sometimes you need a loss to win. Those, or at least that experience. You need that experience to be able to get everything you need to get to make the most of yourself. Well, along those lines, you have um, in the next fight, you had Jose um, Aldo coming off a um, loss in a title fight for a vacant title against Peter Yan, up and coming killer from Russia, Siberian kid. And my God, what a good fight this was until the um, stoppage late in the fifth round. Uh, a lot of controversy there because the ref let Aldo take a, a vicious beating. I mean, should have so stopped many, it earlier. I mean, so many again, I'm, it's my opinion. You know, oh, something like, consensus, but, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't follow it, yeah. but should have stopped it earlier. Yeah. Should have stopped it earlier. Yeah, you know, we say in our business, in boxing, that customers always tell me, when you got a fighter who's really a fighter, the mentality knows how to behave like a fighter, you know, really a fighter. Mm-hmm. You got to, and, and you ask them to behave a certain way. That means to ignore pain. To ignore, in football, my son's here. In football, you know what they call reckless abandon? We want you to play with reckless abandon. You don't care about your body. You know? And and that's how you want him to play. Well, you kind of want a fighter to fight smart, but almost like you don't care about his body. Yep. But smart, don't get me wrong, but like you like don't care. And so you get one. You don't get too many of them. <laughs> but you get one that has that. Like Cus would tell me got to protect them from themselves mm-hmm. i mean that's because they're going to behave that way so you got a guy like this who's got one foot out the door one foot in the twilight zone twilight because um he, he's been around he's a you know he's getting a little shop one he, he's a legend aldo yeah you know he's a guy that was maybe the greatest featherweight of all time but i know one of the greatest featherweights he had a winning streak that was like i don't know 15 years robert tell me but it was, it was something like 15 years i think uh, I think it got broken by McGregor, the yeah. uh, the great McGregor. I think that's the fight that shot McGregor to start him. That's right. Yeah, he knocked him out early. But, you know, here's, here's a guy that's towards the end. I think he's like 33 years old. I think there was a six-year uh, age difference in this fight. And 
here's a guy that's been through a lot. Like I say, you don't judge uh, a fighter's age chronologically. It's yep. it's by the amount of punishment they've taken, the, the amount of punch they've taken. Uh, and there it is. Rob's the man. You know, look at that. 18 straight Eight, fights. I mean, a, a, a MMA fights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, these are. Over 10 years, we won 18 fights. 10 years. Oh, wow. I mean, these are. Bantamweight. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not. You're not talking about, you know, uh, slipping the, through the cracks. These are tough fight, you know. I mean, it reminds me of the quote uh, by Greg Haugen. Greg Haugen was a world champ, better fighter than he got credit for. You know, he didn't have one ability that was great, but he was a solid guy. He was good. He beat Vinny Pazienza. Pazienza beat him for the title. Uh, he, you know, he was pretty good, and he fought the great Chavez. Mm-hmm. Bez was one of the great fighters of all time. And, you know, he knew how to talk Hogan. So he was just trying to he was just trying to juice it up. You know, yeah. everyone does, right? Yeah. I mean, you gotta put fannies in there to get paid. So, you know, at the press conference he's, someone said, Angel, you know, how do you feel about fighting Chavez? You know, uh, Chavez wound up with over hundred fights, so he's a throwback. You know, you don't see fighters other than Duran, those kind of guys that have those many fights nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. So at the time Chavez, I don't know if he was eighty and all. Maybe seventy, you know, whatever it was, yeah. and uh, so they said, "What are you, he, all those?" He goes, "Yeah, he, he beat a lot of uh, Tijuana cab drivers," <laughs> and and everyone, was, everyone, what? And, and you know, and then he got knocked out. Yeah. He got stopped by Chavez. He had a great comeback. He got to give him credit. He, they said, "You still stand by that that he beat a lot of Tijuana cab drivers?" He goes. Yeah, but they were tough cab drivers. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know? And so when you look at a guy, 18 straight fights, a lot of people say, well, 18, you know, you're, in boxing you have more fights, obviously. No, but these are all tough. Yeah. I mean, they, they, these are no, uh, these, these are no uh, you know, gifts. Yeah. Uh, these are all tough fights. So that's pretty remarkable. So you have, you had him in a fight where, there's always a chance you get old, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we saw that. I think I saw that. I remember watching the first round. Uh, the first round went to Jan, and it looked like I made a note to myself when I was watching the fights. I made a note to myself, youth will be served tonight, question mark. Yeah. That's what it hit me. Youth will be served tonight. And uh, too, just too young, too, too, too young and, 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 and talented, gifted, uh, developed, and then all of a sudden the second round comes, and who shows up? The face of experience, that little experience. Pop! He pops up, and he shows himself, and he wins the round. I said, "Whoa! <laughs> Can't don't count out Mister Experience, Mister Pride, you know everything with these guys." And and then I I remember I put another little note. Will you show up the next round now? Mm-hmm. And kind of like a card game. You know, you show the, you show two pair. I trump your two pair. I got three of a kind. Mm-hmm. You know, I go above you. And sure enough, if you's going to be served, it's going to be served the next round. And it was. And you saw this great fighter Aldo start to get old. Mm-hmm. You saw him start to get old, and um, you saw. But again, you 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 had to you had to deliver it. Because with a guy like this, he's going to make you prove it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He's yeah. going to make you prove it. He's going to make you show that that it, that it's too that it's late for him. Mm-hmm. And um, another way I looked at it was 
the young lions versus the old lion. And when I saw the third and the fourth round, I said, I made another note. The young lion's roaring. Mm-hmm. The, he's roaring. And the old lion, you know, he's uh is you know, he's still got some 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 teeth and some claws, but he's not he's he's not able to roar back, you know, because this young lion won't let him. Yeah. Won't let him. And then at the end, like you said, it was a matter of the physical body of the old lion couldn't do anymore. But you know what doesn't disappear with these special guys? This is where you got to protect them from themselves that Cus talked about, their character. That doesn't get old. That that still stays vital. It still stays young. It still stays there. And the character's still there, but the body's not. The mm-hmm. ability's not. Yeah. And that's where you got to protect them because that's where they're prone to getting really hurt because they have nothing but the character, the behavior. That's still there. The rest of it's gone. And they're not going to give. They're not going to give. They're not going to surrender. It's, it's kind of like uh, watching, you know, a war movie where, you know, you've seen some of these war movies where the troops are getting slaughtered, but the general just refuses to to say, hey, retreat. You know, you got to say retreat sometimes. So They're not going to say it. They're going to act like those troops. They're trained to be that way. There's a code. I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There's a cold. That cold is not going to be. It's not going to be betrayed, because at that point, the rest of their life, that's 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 what they live with. That's what they have. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to give up that cold. So that's where you have to be the general that says retreat. Yeah, you can't just watch them. You know, just get destroyed. Yeah, and at that point. That's what needed to be done. That uh, that the you know somebody, whether it's the corner, the problem with the corner in this business, I'm finding out is that the code you know exists with them too, and mm-hmm. and and with the fighters, and you know they 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 don't they don't want to betray that code. Yeah, it's not that they hate the guys; they they don't hate them. That's they love good, them. That's a good point. I don't I don't I can't recall off the top of my head ever seeing the corner stop a fight in the UFC. It must have happened. I mean, I'm but sure I don't it's remember. happened. I don't, so, I don't so that's where you know you gotta. I would say Dana White because he's the man and he does a great job. He, I mean, he does. A, look, the, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to have me tell you. But maybe to have some training, some <sighs> seminars about that, dealing with that going forward. You always wanna, you wanna always be able to advance your business and. Upgrade your business, um, adapt, uh, improve. You know, whatever business you have, you always have a meeting every once in a while saying, where, where can we get better? Mm-hmm. You know, we get a little better here. You know, and um, if you're making cards, how can we make this car a little better? It's a great card, sold real well. But what can we, oh, you can put one of those things in there where you put your change. <laughs> you know, those little things Coin where you, yeah, yeah, they're cool. I like them, you know? Yeah. Back in the day when you had to go to meetings and stuff, yep. or, or even if you had to make a phone call, there's no pay phones <laughs> anymore. But you know, you needed the quarters and the dimes. Yeah. So I'm saying that maybe Dana White looks into that, you know, maybe a little bit. I'm not trying to tell him what to do. He knows what the hell he's doing. But uh, because either that or it's completely up to the refs, which, you know, which it was. Mm-hmm. And, and again, uh, I think the refs. 
these guys know what they're doing in uh, in that sport I've seen. But again, they're giving them every benefit they can. But that's the kind of case where you got to go in. You got to know what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you were a legal aid lawyer and you're, you're a public defendant and your job is when they come in front of you, you got to defend them right in front of the judge. You have to have that folder that tells them what they did. Yeah. So you know what to say. Mm-hmm. You know how to deal with it. Well, the ref needs that folder that tells them with each one of these fights. He's 33. He's been in a lot of tough fights. Um, he might be at that place. If we see him looking like he's at that place tonight where normally I would give him the little bit more benefit of the doubt because that's what they do because these guys turn it around yeah, because they're so tough. But maybe I take that into consideration and if I see him get to that place, I stop. Yeah. And and because that fight should have been stopped. Definitely. Took a lot of punishment. Uh, brings us to the next one. Controversial decision. Alex Volkanovski against Max Holloway. Good fight. Re- yep. Rematch. rematch. Volkanovski. Rugged chess match. Rugged chess match. Go ahead. Very much so. Five round war. Went to, the, went to the judges. I thought Max Holloway won it three to two. But I, I, I would hesitate to call it a robbery. I didn't see it the same way the judges did. It's very close split decision. As close as you can get. But the decision ultimately went to Volkanovski. He'll continue on as the champion. What'd you see there and would you like? Um, I, I thought that Holloway won it three to two. Yeah. That's what I had too. Yeah. And um it was a rematch, you said. Uh Holloway had lost the first time. From what I understand, the first time when he lost, Holloway's a good striker. Very Foganowski has the edge on the mat, mm-hmm. on the floor. I mean he could strike, but he's got the edge on the floor with his wrestling experience and different uh, some of those areas, if I remember correctly. I made some notes. I mean, yeah, Volkanowski, Australian fighter, I mean, uh, out of one of the top gyms there. And he specialized in Mai Tai, which I guess is a little bit of a form of kickboxing, but yep. mostly mostly with the legs, especially in the shin areas. And um, he's got a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, oh, he's a little fire plug. Yeah, former rugby player. Rugby player. Those guys have Top natural guy. strength. Yeah. They're just strong. Mm-hmm. They're not like the guys that, not taking none away from the ones I'm going to describe, but they go in there and have to pick up iron. Yep. I mean, these guys are just strong. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're playing rugby. They're out there, you know, with no equipment on playing football, Yep. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and where they come from in some of the areas, they might be picking up uh, – when they were 12 years old, picking up bales of hay and throwing them into a barn. <laughs> I mean, whatever. They're building real functional natural, strength. Functional natural strength. And, uh, but that's the sweet science. I'll say it for MMA too. I give them that credit. UFC, that's the sweet science. Fight it in the geography you need. You know, don't, don't let them use their strengths. Uh, play to their weaknesses. And Holloway, he understood that. Holloway, he was going to box. He was going to control the outside. Uh, he wasn't going to get you know on the floor if he could help it. Uh, so you saw that rugged chess match, and I saw it, and I appreciated it going on. Uh, Holloway coming off the loss, you know, in the first fight with him, uh, you could see you give him credit because from all the reports I got from the first fight. Uh, 
uh, Volganowski used a lot of lead leg kicks exactly to yep. take out the lead leg yep. of um, of Holloway where he couldn't really set yeah. and and really destroyed his leg from yep. from what I understand. This time you could see Holloway was going in and out more where he really couldn't he really couldn't zero in on that. You know him being Volkanovski, of course. Uh, Volkanovski couldn't zero in on that strategy, so Volkanovski had to come up with a plan B, and obviously Holloway already had plan B uh, going in. Now I thought he was a little bit like I I say on I would say during the fights when I was broadcasting the ESPN fights, a guy you try to be the ocean and make the other guy the log. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a it's a nice way of saying control the rhythm. Yeah. Control the rhythm where you're making the guy do what you want him to do. He's not doing what he wants. And I saw that in the first two rounds. I was so impressed. So impressed. Where Holloway, you know, coming off the loss to this guy, he's the ocean. He's made, and you can't be the ocean with the, you. These guys don't want to be locks. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're not driftwood. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. They have their own little outboard motor. When you think they're being a drift board, all of a sudden they're not. <laughs> so he's pushing them and pulling them the right way, pushing them back, pulling them in, and he's controlling the rhythm of the fight. And he won the first two rounds yeah. doing that and keeping them a little off balance where he can't use his physical strength. And I really, I really, like I said, I was really um, appreciate, appreciative of that, seeing that. And the only thing I saw making a mistake, Holloway, and I think he paid for it. I, I still thought he got robbed. But and I, when I say robbed, you know, a lot of people are used to me saying it when I mean it's so bad. It's it's like the Brinks robbery. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's just it's so bad. But to me, it doesn't have to be that bad. If if the guy should win, he should win. Mm-hmm. Because every time they get in the ring, there's a chance that they might not come out. Yeah. So if they figure win by this much or this much, give it to them. Give it up! <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. I had to get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be the Brinks robbery of the century. Yeah. So, I, I saw in that fight the one thing that I thought hurt Holloway was he was the taller guy, and when he got full extension at the right distance with his punches, he was the man. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, with his right hand, he started sliding in. He started closing the gap, coming closer than he had to, because he could throw it from he could throw that right hand here and and still stay safe defensively. Yep. You know, bam, he could throw it, here, bang. He didn't have to come here to throw it, mm-hmm. and he was going there to throw it. And sure enough, Volkanovski is more than just a rugby player. Yep. Bingo, counter left hooks. Ah. So that's the that's the chess match. Also, was, huge really, credit to Volkanovski because he got dropped in the first and the second round. Yeah, to come back and 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 pull it off was unbelievable. And and that brings a question. See, talking about criterion for scoring, and I think it's the right spot for the question. Is, knockdowns don't give you more of an advantage in a round. You would think it would be a ten eight round, but they don't score them like that. No, it's not a ten point must system. But so that's where you know. You got to know more, I guess, about the criterion, and I'm being really yeah. honest about it because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I just know I watched so he won, he lost. Yeah, you know because of the mix of everything that's happening there and fighting. But in boxing, again, you just said it. You drop a guy, you get it. You get an edge. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you get an extra point, you know, unless something else happens before the, the bell rings yeah. where he drops you or whatever. Um, but so you, you wonder about overcoming that, how he overcame that. I thought just in rounds, my back is playing rugged chess on me. <laughs> it just moved a pawn and a knight and, uh, and a castle, a uh, bishop. So I, I just thought that, the, again, I, I thought that Holloway, uh, I, I thought that Foganowski came back, uh, started to get, I always talk about geography, started to get the geography he needed, uh, get it to become his fight a little bit more physical. Uh, he closed the gap, won the third round. But I thought Holloway came back and won the fourth, and I thought Holloway lost the fifth. Mm -hmm. And so I had a 3-2 for Holloway. Um, a good fight. Uh, again, wrong decision, I thought. But where when Holloway kept the discipline of using his height advantage, fighting tall, he was able to strike at a distance where he couldn't get struck back. Mm -hmm. uh, he walked into some counter left hooks uh, when he fell in with the right hand. Obviously, other things too. Uh, Volkanovski, to his credit, started to bring his other elements of his game, the physical game, uh, to play uh, in the later rounds. Good fight. Uh, Both guys really class acts. After the fight, Holloway um, sent out a tweet. Apparently, some fans were threatening uh, different media members over their comments about him getting robbed. And Max Holloway came out and said, guys, don't please don't uh, don't defend me. Like, a fight's a fight. It's a close decision. He got it. No big deal. And then he also donated his uh, all of his kit, his the gloves, shorts, T-shirt, and uh, jacket. He walked, walked out in the ring to um, Hawaii Food Bank. You know, he was talking about 40% unemployment in uh, Hawaii. I think that's the figure he used. But he's a guy who's uh, really in touch with the local community in Hawaii. He seems to be a really nice guy. After his fight with um, Dustin Poirier, in which he lost, he gave Dustin his um, fight kit to auction off for the Good Fight Foundation, uh, Dustin Poirier's um, charity, goodfightgroup.org. .com, Goodfightgroup.com uh, for Dustin's uh, charity. And, and like I said, Max has given his kit to the uh, Hawaii Food Bank for um, auctioning that off. It's available online now. Classy guy. Very. Uh, classy guy. I think both guys are class guys yeah. to, from what I can see. To Very be quite much, frank, yeah. I should say that instead of just being on one side. But from what we saw of uh, Holloway, uh, classy guy, give him credit, uh, behaved like a champion. You know, he lost his title, came back, in the rematch and made the adaptations, the adjustments he needed to make. Yep. You know, it wasn't just a guy that showed up and said, I'll be the same way. Uh, no, he, he, he showed why he was a champion. Mm -hmm. He thinks, he thinks, he, uh, he adapts, you know, he figures things out. He's not just tough. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I thought he figured it out. But uh, good, just, just a good, solid, very intriguing, for me at least, fight to see uh, the subtleties going on in there. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, Teddy, a kick to the side of the head's not that subtle. <laughs> but but no, and he, and he did get dropped with a kick to yeah, the head. You know? round, yep. That's tough getting hit though, with a kick. Imagine that with the bone <laughs> and everything. That, that's uh, 
it's one thing with the fist, but yeah, these guys, these guys are really something else. And to do the charity work they do, uh, it, it it's a great thing. It makes them even bigger, mm-hmm. makes them more powerful. I believe in power. There's there it is. I believe in um, power, where you go beyond yourself and you do for others, and you you take on that embracement of that responsibility that I can do for others. I'm in this position. You suddenly have a responsibility. Even if it's subliminal, it, even if it's when you're sleeping, you, it sinks in there. Like I gotta, I gotta win this so I can do this, so I can make this kind of uh, example for people. I, I can bring this to the forefront. I, I can highlight these problems, uh, and I can help with this cause. But I gotta win to do it. I gotta. That that's only gotta empower you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a nice thing that you do it, but it's it's more than a burden like oh i, I gotta do more to help it no it, it, it's it, it's helping you too yeah it, it's it's making you cognizant of things that you might not be cognizant of like yeah i gotta win for my family i gotta win for myself but maybe i've won enough already but now i gotta do for more i haven't won enough i got i haven't won enough mm-hmm. it keeps you in that mindset besides you know and and it it, it does what it makes the world better yeah, and Rob just reminded me that Max Holloway trained for the majority of this camp by himself. He was doing Zoom sessions with his trainers and uh, working out essentially by himself for a lot of the time. Had a hard time finding proper sparring. Um, oh. So again. You never know when someone's overcoming. Yep. But if I don't know what Webster's Dictionary has, but for me in my life, if you ask me, look, if you ask me the definition of a fighter, you know what it is? Someone who can overcome, find a way. And and look, that's that's exactly what you're reading there. Yeah. He was in Hawaii with a stay-at-home order and his coaches and everyone. He didn't want to get anyone in trouble by coming and meeting him at the gym. So he was essentially training by himself and doing Zoom sessions with the coaches. It's unbelievable. There's a fighter that was a world champion. He was an Olympian. I think he won a silver medal um, back many years ago. Brian Valoria. They called him the Hawaiian Punch. From, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. From Hawaii. I, yeah, I wonder yeah. if the two of them hook up if they're friends. But uh, he was a guy that was a small weight. I'm trying to remember, flyweight, uh, whatever it was. It might have been bantamweight. He might have moved up to bantamweight, but it was probably a little below bantamweight, to be quite frank. And he won a world title. He, he, uh, he won more than one world title, I believe. But he fought late into his career. He, he was a pretty special guy. I think he's a trainer in Santa Monica, if I'm not mistaken. He? he might be at um, Churchill Boxing. I think he is. Um, well, anyway, that brings us to the main event. Uh, friend of the show, Jorge Masvidal, coming in on six-day notice against the champ, Kamaro Usman. Both seem like, I mean, we obviously know Masvidal's a very nice guy. I've had him on the show. But Usman seems like a nice guy, too. These guys did what they had to do to hype the fight. But... Um, Usman won that one pretty handedly, I thought. I mean, George gave it his all. Came out in the first, on the short notice, probably knowing that he's going to be a little short on the gas in the gas tank department. Came out and tried to get it done in the first round. Poured it on him. Looked great. I thought he won the first round and then just slowly looked like he was running out of gas late. These wrestlers are just relentless. Usman keeping relentless pressure on him. But tell me what you saw now. Same thing. Same. I'm going to say one thing. Off of that, piggyback off you because you're, you know, I mean, as long as I got you around, I could piggyback off you because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're the man. I, 
consistency in my sport, boxing and UFC, should go see a real estate agent um, always before you get in the ring because it's about location, location, location. Boxing, UFC, I don't care, geography. Whoever controls geography. Now, there were variables. He wasn't in top shape. I get it. I get it. But whoever controls geography, usually they're going to win. In other words, I put it in so many phrases. Fight your fight. Whatever it's the fight for you. That means the geography that's for you. If you're Muhammad Ali, you won't be on the outside. Mm-hmm. If you're Jake Lomano, eh, you won't be inside. You won't be in there close, baby. And so... The geography, that part of it was, well, it was won. And again, variables, but it was won by Usman. Now, I thought the first round was close, but I gave it to Masvidal. And then Usman got the geography he needed. But I think there was some interesting things going on there. I think that Masvidal, he had to, he was. He wasn't sure what he was going to have till he got there. Yep. He probably knew that he wasn't going to have everything, but he's a competitor. He's a fighter, and listen, it's a business too. He he won on one side. He got paid. He got paid in a way, and I mean this in a very positive way, in a way where first this fight was supposed to be made, but it wasn't because he didn't think that he was getting paid right, right. and then. All of a sudden, White being the guy that runs a tight ship, tight iron-fisted ship, business, uh, brought somebody else in. Gilbert Burns. There it is. And then all of a sudden, Burns got sick. Got sick. And now, (laughs) now all of a sudden. Georgie's got all the power. Oh, he's got the gun. You know what I mean? He's got somebody over a barrel, that old saying. Mm -hmm. He's got Dana. Dana don't like being over a barrel. Nobody does. And he got probably what he wanted, obviously, and probably maybe a little more, whatever. So he won that battle. And But sometimes you win a battle and you lose the war. And usually we talk about this in physical terms. But before they got in the ring, that's what happened. He lost the war because he wasn't able to be mentally. He's a special guy, Masvidal. So I'm not even going to go there. He probably got himself where he needed to the best he could mentally. But physically, he couldn't. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't. And so now he's in a situation where I bet you, I bet you there was a lot of arguing going on in the Masvidal mind with himself because a part of him knew that he had to slow the pace down even though he likes to go at a fast pace and what we're suggesting is the word that you don't like to really use although with these guys there's no shame because you got to use it to get to the other word the word of winning Mm -hmm. you got to survive and then it's just a matter of how much of that do you do and he had to do more of it than he would want to do. He was forced into that situation. And I'm just wondering if it was because of Usman closing the gaps a little tricky, 
little awkwardly clever. I wonder what Mazavador would say about my interpretation of this. But there was just something I saw like, plus Mazavador wasn't at his best. Yep. But when, I'm taking nothing away from Usman. He's a special guy. Yeah. Taking nothing away from him. He won. But where Mazavador, where maybe he thought he had an extra beat. When I say beat, I'm tenth of a second. Before the guy would close the gap. And he looked this way, hello, and he closed the gap. Yep. And and he he got him. And he got to where. And then once he got there, a decision had to be made. Okay. And that's where I think the Roper Cage came in. Yeah. Uh, instead of Zaire was in uh what's the name of the place in those Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, baby. I don't want to say Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Abu Dhabi. Yep. And he got in there. And then all of a sudden, the Roper dope. The Roper, maybe instinctively, intuitively, these special guys have that. Where, yeah, he wants to get loose. But first of all, how much energy is it going to take to get loose? A lot. A lot. A lot. And so now it's like a battle. That's the argument. Maybe instead of getting loose, which he got up when he had to get up, which was pretty damn impressive. Very. Because my knowledge is that he's... He's got the advantage of most of these guys in striking. He's Bruce Lee to me. Yeah. You know, he I really like him. Yeah. He's and I like the other guy. But he's you know, he's the guy he's the guy that walks to his own drummer. That's for sure. You know, and he and he does it in his own way. He, he 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 makes it up as he does it. And and he feels it. He feels it. And so here's a guy that wants to be doing things creatively on the outside like Bruce Lee, you know, doing things that you don't always see, uh, doing things in a loose way, creative way, talented way, special way. And now he's he doesn't have the petrol in the gas tank because he needs legs. To win this fight, he needed to be Ali against George Foreman. Yeah. He needed to be able to catch him on the outside, but... F- Ali that night, here's the interesting thing. That night, Ali had a full camp, but he was older. He was diminished. Yeah. He wasn't the same Ali. He couldn't move for 15 rounds. I don't think he went in there saying, I'm going to do a thing called the rubber dope. Yep. He's so smart, Ali. He thought of it at the press conference, <laughs> you know, afterwards, because of what transpired. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant guy, genius guy, special man. Wish he was around today for a lot of reasons, to be quite frank, uh, for, for the world. Uh could have used it. But anyway, he, so he, here he is, and he feels the heat of Zaire, Ali, 15-round fight, Foreman, he couldn't keep Foreman, he knew he couldn't keep Foreman from closing all night. So he let him close. He let him close, and then he saw something. He knew Foreman had never been tested, really, in that kind of way, and he thought, maybe I could, I could maybe break down the bully. And get him to get discouraged. And also get him to physically exhaust himself too. Not just mentally. Mm-hmm. Both. And he played and he stayed in there and it looked like he was surviving. He was losing rounds. Wasn't winning rounds. Mm-hmm. But he had a plan because later on when Foreman got tired, he was open up a little bit. I think that some of that was in the mind of Masvador. It was where the argument came in was how I don't want to be here. I want to be outside because that's where Ali finally 
did in George. He got outside, pop, pop, pop. Yeah. And he fought in spots, Ali, that night. Every once in a while, when you thought Foreman was going to just, you know, envelop him, pop, 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 pop. You know, he just, he, he, he got off enough, just enough to keep Foreman mentally at a bad place or in a certain place yeah. and physically. And Masvidal did a little bit of that, but he wanted to do more of it. And I think where the argument came in was when he was in close, he knew, again, subliminally, whatever you want to call it, innately and, uh, you know, subconsciously, he knew that I had to conserve. So I had to play a little bit of survival game by staying in close. Even though it's the other man's territory, the other, he could smother, he could also smother certain things by staying in close. He didn't have to use his legs. He didn't, he didn't have to, because if he went outside, he'd have an advantage at the beginning. But he would have to expend a lot of energy to keep that advantage. Yeah. He'd have to move his hands to keep the guy from coming in, and he'd have to keep changing placement of distance with his feet. Yep. Constantly. And Ali, the great Ali, knew he couldn't do that. He knew instinctively in a foreman fight. He knew he couldn't do that all night. He couldn't. He couldn't do that all night. He could only do it in the spots. So he laid against the ropes the wrong place, but he made it the right place mm -hmm. because he survived when he had to. And I think Mazadov, something instinctively, intuitively told him, okay, I, you know, I, I feel what I have left because after the first round, it's like he won a little battle there in the first round because he had a pretty good round, but he... But it was showing you that he might not be winning the war down the road. Yeah. Because you could see that he depleted had his hands on a his lot head. of his energy. Yeah. You know? And so I think a part of was he would get inside and have to survive, stay in close, even though he's not supposed to be in close. Uh showed brilliant ability again to get off the floor and do what he had to do, uh, to get out of those wrestling, you know, situations. Yep. Uh, those grappling situations uh, with the guy who's better at that. So he, he did marvelous at that. But I think a part of his decision was to stay in, uh, to just have a, a stalemate where the other guy had the advantage, but it, it gave him a chance to last, to go the rounds. And if he was going to pull off something, to be around to pull it off. You know, he, he was forced into something that, Ali did, uh, but obviously he didn't have he didn't have the wherewithal conditioning wise to to get it outside in no spots yeah. enough yeah. enough. And the smart thing about unlike Foreman, like I know there's two different sports, but Foreman on the inside went a little crazy, mm -hmm. you know, wow, 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 and a lot of those punches were being blocked on the inside while. Mazatov was fighting, was doing what he was doing, hoping to, you know, survive long enough to be able to get himself into a position later on where he could burn up the gas the right way. Usman yep. was throwing little chop shots to the body. And there's no better way to take something out of a guy than to go to the body, mm -hmm. take their legs away, go to the body, take the air out of the tires, and a softer body. That wasn't Masvidal's best body. And again, I'm taking nothing away from Usman. He's brilliant. He, he deserved everything because he did what he had to do. And it wasn't easy. Mm. Even with all these things that we're pointing out, 
Mazdov was was still a load. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was still a freaking load to deal with. Yeah. On top of it, so but those little he was smart enough not to expend the energy going crazy, where maybe Mazdov would have gotten what Ali got, maybe. But instead, he threw little shots to the body, and again, a softer body, a body that didn't have chance to do sit-ups, a body that didn't have you know the chance to uh, get itself prepared the way it normally would be prepared. So, Usman was smart. He was contained. He was controlled. Uh, he 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 won the battle of geography. Uh, he took it to where he needed to take it uh, to to be in the best place that he could be to have an advantage with his talents. Yeah. Which is what you're supposed to do, you know, in anything you do. Bring it to the place that makes most sense for you. What did you think of um, the foot stomps? Uh, smart. I mean, again, he's telling you that he don't want him to use his legs if he does get out of here. <laughs> you know, you yeah. want to use them, they're going to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know. <laughs> no, I just, have a harder time I mean, watching the footstomps. No, that's punch tough. In the face. Yeah, Someone's so, stomping no, their heel on Well, that's because your children were practicing <laughs> it on you later. Afterwards, exactly. They were, and they said, "Dad, does this hurt? <laughs> does that? Yeah, that hurt. Do you think it hurt? Matters for all that. Can you walk that? Try to walk that. Yeah. Dad, see if you can walk to the kitchen. Can you? <laughs> and if you can." Give me the ice cream pop. Yeah. But, but if you can, I'll come in there and I'll get it myself. Yeah. And yeah, it was, uh, again, doing what you, being smart. You're not, they're not being mean. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're being smart. Like you, you're thinking about using these things later. Yeah. Later on, you want to use these? All right. Well, use it now <laughs> with, with like fractures, like all kinds of multi-fractures. Oh. Miniature fractures, micro fractures. Use it now. You know. Another thing, you never want to show Mazador. Nobody mentioned this, and and I think the people in UFC that that covered. I just want to say this. I, I think they're as good as anyone in any sport. Yeah. They they do such. A, they really do. They're they're solid and they they they're not over the top. They are, but they get you what you need. And mm-hmm. when they need to be strong, they're strong about it. You know, whether it's Rogan, whether it's uh, uh, the... John the, Anik, Michael Bisman. Yeah, Bisman, all those guys. Really Call him, uh, the guy, the former champ, the heavyweight champ, who's tremendous too. And I think he's got a comeback fight coming. Uh, DC. Oh, Daniel Cormier. Oh, he's yeah. really good. I mean, yeah. I think he's very good too. But all of them, uh, they really are. And the guys that set it up, the guys that do the studio and do the... Daniel do, Cormier's uh, got a really good show with uh, your friend Ariel Hawani. Yeah, ESPN. Hawani's very good. He's the best. And, and the other guy's very good. That uh, uh, John Anik? Anik. Very good. Uh, anyway, you never want to... In this business, Ken, sometimes it'll win a fight or lose a fight for you. Cuss used to always drum into my head when I was an 18-year-old kid. Uh, would always say, you never let somebody know. To be a good fighter, part of it, I know it's going to sound wrong, you got to be a liar. Mm-hmm. You never let someone know how you feel. Yep. And you never know. let someone know when you're hurt. Mm-hmm. Because they could be dead, and it'd be like you in a race. You could feel like you're dead, you're in a 26 month, and all of a sudden the guy's legs go out. All of a sudden you got energy you never knew you had. That's right. Oh, that's all you needed to see. Whoa, boom, you're going. Because you got hope. You got an injection of adrenaline. 
It's called hope. It was given to you all of a sudden. And you don't want to give guys hope in that kind of fight and give them anything that shouldn't be given. You know, it's kind of like that movie 300. We're going to take from them. We're not going to give anything. What was the, what was the general's name? The, 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 Leonidas. 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 How do you not know that? But uh, he was, Ken, you got to watch this with your kids. Yeah. 300. Uh, General Leonidas. Uh, he was great. And he told his troops, he says, we're not giving them anything. We're taking everything. <laughs> and, and so you don't want to give nothing. Masvidov couldn't help it. He gave something that night. He never does. He gave them recognition that he was low on petrol. We knew we assumed it. Yeah. But how does the guy know until you show it? Because you might be super, maybe you lied. Maybe you went uh, tremendous, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They go, and after every round, Masvidal went back with his hands like this. Yeah. That's a move you know as a, uh, as a racer. You're, you're taking some weight off the lungs. Yep. You're getting more oxygen in there. And you don't do that. You don't do that in the ring. And But he did it because he had to. And it showed, it gave a little verification to Usman that, yeah, the guy, the guy's on fumes. You know, if you want to use that analogy. But the, the, the guy's not on a full, you know, full tank. And so little things like that, that normally Masvidal would never be giving yeah. anything. And, he, and I don't know how much that played, but I bet you it played a little bit yeah. because everything plays in this game. Mm-hmm. It's a tough game, baby. Everything plays. We need every little bit. A little bit too much here, a little bit too little there. It, it changes the course of everything. Another movie for you, baby. And Rob, get these up, will you? The people <laughs> like it. They love it. Any given Sunday without Pacino. In the in football, when he gave that great speech in the locker room, he says, there's inches out there. And we fight for those inches. We need those inches. We crawl and scratch for those and bleed for those inches. An inch too much this way, an inch too little this way, and that's it. You don't get there. We need all those inches. And that's the same thing in, in this world. Those, they're inches. And every one of them amounts to something or doesn't amount to what it should. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, even with the disparity of conditioning, the short notice, I thought that it was still interesting because you still had hope that Masvidal was even at the end there, that that he was gonna he was gonna find a way, because you could see he had an edge on the outside a little bit. Yeah, the other guy is pretty damn good, um, but you you could see that, and and I'll tell you how I look at it at the end. We look at things in life when we're in situations. I know I do. And I know these fighters do. And I know that I've expressed this to many of my fighters about destiny. That everyone has a destiny. And so Masvidal has busted his backside 
in backyard fights, street fights, kind of like the legendary guy, God bless him, he's not here no more, that started all that stuff. He was the godfather. Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice. And, you know, Masvidal followed in those footsteps. That's where he got his start. And you see some of that video if you're inclined to look at it. And he's really come up and he's really, you know, come up the tough way. Mm -hmm. And he's gotten himself all these fights. He's gotten himself. He never had a title fight. He finally got it. And this is what I want to leave for me on this that I took out of this. That he finally got what he deserved. He got paid. He got a title chance. But he didn't fulfill his destiny yet. Now, a lot of people say, Teddy, maybe that was his destiny. I don't think so. This is the way I look at it. And I like the guy. He came on our show. and yep. Maybe that's why I'm going to extra. I think I do this for anyone, though. I, I, I believe that that's how I feel and that's how I, what I'm motivated by or pushed by. I think that some people say, well, your destiny was to get to the title. You got there, but it wasn't your destiny to win. I look at it differently. I think that nothing is that sure and that clear cut that even when you think that you got to your destiny, it was just a test to see if you deserve the chance to truly fulfill your destiny. It's different from getting to your destiny and fulfilling your destiny. Two different things. I think that the powers that be, whatever you want to believe in, I believe that it was a matter of him earning his right to get to this place of destiny to fight for the title, but not so fast that you have to earn the right to see if you deserve to fulfill it. And I think that performance earned him that right. And I think that's what is in line for him. That it earned him the right now to fulfill his destiny. Which will probably mean a couple more fights. And in the UFC, that that means uh, no no layups. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no alley-oops. There's you know no, what I mean? No throwing no. the ball above the rim and dunking it. It's, it's no layups. So... I think, wow, they did pretty damn good. 1.3 million pay-per-view, most since 2018 for UFC wow. 251. Hey, listen, they built it up the right way. Yeah. Sometimes the Super Bowl doesn't turn out to be what the hype has told it to be. We talked about this before the stuff got put up, you know? Um, I mean, I think... Uh, most by, most pay-per-view buys since Khabib and Connor in 2018. Wow, wow. I mean, listen, they uh, obviously... Uh, if we were friends with Dana White, he could take us out to dinner. No, for sure. Right? I mean, <laughs> probably a pretty good place. And probably pay enough money to get a restaurant to open up, even though it's not. And, and look, I'm not. We got, we're not going down that road. Here, so the thing is for this for me, he earned the right coming in on short notice, behaving the way he behaved, not submitting. He survived. There's no getting away, but he survived to try because he had to. Because he knew that. Yeah. Um, that that was that was what that was what was thrown at him. That was the that, that was the situation that he was in. But he behaved. He didn't submit 
where he lost the right to still fulfill his destiny. I think he got tested. I believe we got get tested in life. I believe that sometimes when people get to a certain point and they fail and they say, oh my God, I thought I was going to succeed. Why? 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 I, I, you didn't fail. You didn't fail. You got to that place. It wasn't time yet. You needed something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe you needed an ability to handle the, the, the victory better. Maybe it wasn't just to learn something more, to learn another skill, another resource. Maybe it was, maybe it was for that. But maybe it was just that you weren't ready for that, to handle that. So you get tested. I believe he was tested, he behaved right, he passed the test. Now he will get a chance to fulfill his destiny. He'll get put into a couple of tough fights. And if he wins them, he will get another title fight. Yeah, I agree. And that night, he will know, and the world will know afterwards, by his performance, that he's ready to fulfill his destiny. That's how life works sometimes, Ken. Yep. You know? And um, it works right in front of you in this fight game. That's the brilliance of it. It's right there in front of you. You can see it. You know, it lights up right in front of you. It's like my grandkids. They get these coloring books with this ink that you can't see nothing. And and they're doing it. And I'm like looking at them like, what are you doing? There's nothing there. And all of a sudden it lights up. Mm. It's magic ink. <laughs> all of a sudden it takes form. Yeah. You know? All that scribbling and stuff, you see nothing, and all of a sudden, boom, you see it. I say, oh, wow. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that we had Dustin Poirier on the show last week, and he was talking to us about the fact that um, Masvidal wasn't actually like coming off the couch. He'd been in camp with him as his sparring partner. So Gilbert Burns gets announced as uh, the opponent, which Jorge was hoping to get four weeks ago. Burns pulls out a week ahead. Georgie gets thrown in there six days before the fight, and Dustin said, you know, he's not coming off the couch. But talk to me a little bit about the difference where you're busy, you're in the gym, versus training hard for a known opponent for those four weeks versus just staying busy. Yeah, good point. I mean, obviously, Masvidal was not in fight shape. Mm -hmm. I've had spawn partners, you know, over the 45 years I've been doing this. You wouldn't care for me. Mm -hmm. And um, where the spawn partners... I'm a full camp, a seven-week camp, uh, eight-week camp. And in some cases, they would not, and they work good, but they would not be ready for a top-flight fight coming out of camp. People, Teddy, he was in camp with you for seven weeks. What do you mean? Well, first of all, he's, he's working at my call. It's my liberty to say how many rounds he does. Mm-hmm. So he's not getting ready for himself. He's getting ready for my guy. Mm-hmm. So I might have three guys in camp. So I might only have him two, two rounds a day. That's not enough rounds to be getting ready for a top flight fight. I might have him doing three rounds. One day I might let him do five, six rounds and let the other guy sit. One day I might make him sit. I might not even have work. Mm-hmm. And the weight, if I didn't weigh these spawn partners... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw it. They easily go 15 pounds over. So, easy. oh, easy. So, so here you got a situation. Yeah, he was in camp, but still distinctly different. He's in camp, but the the atmosphere, first of all, is not. He's getting ready for his yeah. fight that he's fighting. He's helping a, his friend. Yeah. He's there working with his friend. He's he's in better shape than the average guy, but not in fight shape. Yeah, he's not. 
You know, he's not pushing it. He's not pushing those red lines. He got red line days. He's probably not doing any red line days. There's no reason to do a red line day where you're going to that red line. Um, you know, and, and the weight, the diet's not the same. I mean, you're on a strict diet. You're getting ready. These cutdowns are really, they, these weight cuts are, are, are sometimes the difference of winning and losing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how important they are. So where he would have been on a strict diet, a lean diet, a proper diet, he wasn't. He likes pizza pies, you know. He might have had a couple. Might have had a few there. I don't know how good the pizza is over in Apodaca. No, no, no. He stopped uh, in Rome. Yeah, oh, to get the pizza. Well, the pizza's good there. <laughs> the pizza's really yeah. good there, you know. Especially the Capri pie. I mean, it's. Whew. I think it was such a late announcement that they um, they had. I think I think the way they do it is they have two big charters, like two big proper like commercial airlines, and then because he was such a late uh, um, replacement, that they had a separate plane, smaller plane for him. Those smaller planes can't go from uh, New York or Miami to, or Vegas to um, Abu Dhabi. So I think they stopped in Rome, and while they were there, he ordered a pizza. And, and, and yeah. there he is. And listen, <clears throat> listen again. Everything you just touched on, Ken. There's a pizza. Look, I think that was. I think that was there, a stage sure photo. A stage thing. <laughs> but but when it was in camp during that time, which of course uh, Dustin, you know, told the audience when he was on our show, and he got a lot of traction that a that lot. interview. Yeah, quite a lot. Um, you know, everybody was grabbing at it, mm -hmm. uh, and rightfully so, mm -hmm. because you know, Poirier's Poirier's telling the truth. He moved uh, the line down to plus one seventy yeah. at one point with my bookie. And he was in camp. But again, it's not the same being in camp, helping somebody as a spawn partner and being there. Even though he flew in restless and stuff and he stayed in the shop, it's different when you're not training with with that anvil over your head. Yeah. yeah. You know, with that hammer over your head. That, mm -hmm. that it's, this fight is there and you're one day closer. Now you're another day closer. You know, it's not real. And again, the diet component to it, you're not dieting the same. So where normally you might have six pounds to cut the last week, you know, maybe seven, eight uh, at the most, but you might have that to cut. That's no problem. That's, you know, that's easy uh, for the last week. But now you got, you haven't been maintaining that kind of diet. You have 20 pounds to cut, yep. you know, and, and it's a whole different animal. It's a whole different ball game. And, and again, you're not getting, it's not as intense. You know, it's, you're not going to those red line days, uh, and, and the schedule is not set up where you're staying on an exact schedule, getting ready for an exact date. Yeah. You know, you, you, when you're in camp, you know exactly what you're doing day to day. Uh, when, when you're not getting ready for a date, you know, it, it varies. You know, you, you might, you might not do, uh, you might not pick up the road work. You just stay at a certain, uh, a certain length of road work, uh, you know, a certain mileage where, when you're a certain period before, you might say, okay, this week we're stepping it up to five miles, six yeah. miles, four miles. Well, whatever it is, you're not doing that. So there's so many differences when you're in camp. Yes, you're in camp. You're better than the guy that's walking off the street, but you're not in fight shape. Yeah. You know, and um, and I think that that was pretty, you know, that was pretty clear. So we wanted to talk about that just to clear up where a lot of people say, gee, he was supposed to be in camp. You know, he was in camp. But again, the circumstances are as they are. Yeah, and that's a credit to uh, Masvidal to be able to come in and go five rounds with the world champion and be competitive the whole time. Yeah, it is. And, and again, very much uh, shows his specialness. Uh, his, you know, shows the core 
of what makes these guys special. Yeah. You know, is is that ability to to keep the to push the devil from the door. Yep. Don't let that devil come in that door. Hey, one other thing that I wanted to uh, get your opinion on is a lot's been made of um, Masvidal taking the fight on short notice, but what goes on in the mind of the champion when the opponent six days prior is changed to a completely different style? So uh, Usman's preparing for his teammate, uh, Gilbert Burns. Now he's got Masvidal coming in, very bad blood, whereas the buildup in the other one, there was it was very courteous and now all of a sudden you've got bad blood different style what happens in Usman's camp to change up gears and yeah, get prepared I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um I remember when the Rangers after I don't know 50 years of not winning the Stanley Cup whatever it was it was a lot of years Ranger fans out there are gonna go crazy I'm talking about it. oh yeah yeah um I remember <laughs> they won a game and and the terrific announcer I'm trying to remember who it was he was a good announcer he they they won a game, and that meant that they could win the Stanley Cup in the next game. He said, one more hill to climb. <laughs> it was great. It was great. One more hill. That's another hill to climb when you're a fighter. And and I'm so glad you brought this up because people don't give enough. We're all talking about Masvidal, and, and it's a heck of a thing he did to go in there on six days' notice. But it's a heck of a thing that Usman did, too, to take on a – after preparing all that time for a specific style to take on a new style, and not only a new style, a foreign, quite foreign, much different style than anyone else out there. That's the thing. This guy's not a conventional guy, Masvidal. He's special for, for a reason because he's got his own style. I called him Bruce Lee earlier. I mean, come on. How many Bruce Lees out there? So you're, you're now going from fighting one style, preparing for one style for X amount of weeks, and now all of a sudden... You got six days to fight a whole different style. And again, a guy who's not standard, a guy who, who's a completely, you know, different deal than anyone else. So not enough credit has been given to, and he's such a low-key guy. You hear in the interview, he, he's such a well-mannered, um, low-key gentleman. That, that, you know, you even after the interview, you probably don't walk away not even thinking about it. Oh, well, he didn't, he didn't scream about it. He didn't, you know, he didn't. He didn't badmouth anybody. He didn't stomp anyone's feet. <laughs> <laughs> not after the fight. No, no, but, you know, so, so it's not a big deal. No, it's a big, big deal. That's how upsets happen. In my business, a lot of upsets. And I would love to do a show one day where we could research a little bit and you guys know how to use computers, you know? Really, I love to watch you guys on computers. You guys are good. I mean, like, really smooth, everything. We could research and see how many of these historic, some of these historic upsets have happened where an underdog came in on short notice and he was a prohibitive underdog. Pro and Andy Ruiz. There's one. There's right there. Right there. I knew you were more than just a good-looking guy who keeps himself slim and who eats athletic greens and uh, whose hair stays beautiful. I knew you were more than that. You, you don't let me down. No, Andy Ruiz. I mean, there's a reason for those upsets. There, there's an element in there. Some of it is where a guy, where you think it's an advantage the other way. Oh, the guy only got six days notice. Uh, big disadvantage. But no, maybe big disadvantage for the guy who had full camp. Because now he's fighting somebody that he knows nothing about. He doesn't have time to really adjust his plan for that. 
and mentally. We're human. There's a let up. I'm sorry, but there is. Oh, the guy, there's just a little something goes on. Maybe I shouldn't say a let up, but sometimes it's a let up. Sometimes it's something else. But whatever it is, it shouldn't be there. Yeah. And and it it conspires. It conspires to to create this this environment. We need for things to happen, you need an environment. To create this environment for an upset. I remember a guy named Andy Gannigan, if I remember. Sean O'Grady was the world champion. And uh Sean O'Grady, good commentator, you know, he was a world champion, and I forget who he was supposed to fight. And the guy fell out literally, I think it was like a 24 hours or something, but really close. And he's fighting Andy Gadigan. Oh, okay, this, this is a freebie now, you know? Yeah. Gets knocked out. I mean, you know, it, again, so we don't give enough credit to Usman in this case of what he was dealing with, you know, to have this kind of uh, burden put on him, this extra burden put on him. We we think all on the other side, all, all the disadvantage only on Masvidal. No, there's a disadvantage there, but there's a disadvantage in many ways to the guy that's had full camp and is accepting a guy, uh, especially a guy of that ilk, of that level, on short notice. And Usman made a great point after the fight. He said, look, I'm the champ. Everyone is subliminally preparing for me whether they like it or not. So if you don't have a fight scheduled, you better be looking at the champ. He's, to his, in, in his defense, to your point, he was like, you know, they could just, they could have, it could have been anyone. It could have been uh, Colby Covington. They got, it ended up being Masvidal. So yeah, it was a... Um, Kudos to Usman for being able to adjust on the fly. Same as with Masvidal taking on short notice. It's it encapsulates a lot, Ken, to be a world champion. That word, mm-hmm. champion. It's about your behavior, I believe, at least. How you conduct yourself as a man, as a person, outside, inside the ring. Um, and the capacity to handle so many things. Not just physical things, technical things, but mental things. You know, adversity, controversy. You know, things that are thrown at you. Mm-hmm. It's all part of being allowed to carry that that title, champ. Mm-hmm. To be called champ. It's all part of it. And he showed it. One other thing I wanted to clarify is that uh, we check, I looked that up, uh, or Rob looked at a um, scoring system for the UFC up, and I think earlier we said it wasn't a 10-point yeah. must system. I was I wrong. You're being very gracious, and you're being my guy and protecting me. But no, I, I said it wasn't a 10-point must system. It is a 10-point must system. And I wasn't sure whether or not they had the ability to have 10-8 rounds. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. They, they do have the ability to have 10-8 rounds. I don't know. How often they have them, but um, pretty rare. But I don't know that they have them from a knockdown, though. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, apparently not because no. in that fight, well, you know, they don't. But uh, in that fight that we were talking about, you know, with the scoring with the with the uh, what was the, the Holloway, the Holloway and Volkanovski. Um In that fight, right there, it was pretty clear that there's. They're not given an extra point for a knockdown because yep. there were two knockdowns. Holloway dropped him in the first and second. It would have been a no contest then. It would I think a 10-8 round in the UFC is like a complete beatdown. Like I think you have to knock them down multiple times and really like overwhelm them to the point where it's almost stopped. That's At least that's my recollection of the 10-8 rounds that I recall seeing. Since we're on correction day right now, <laughs> you know, we're in school. We're, mm-hmm. You're the teacher. Yeah. And um, 
I'm just glad it's not like the old days when I went to school years ago. Boy, they would all been in handcuffs. When <laughs> when the nuns would make you put your hands out and crack you with a ruler. <laughs> I mean, they'd be taking those nuns away in like in a you know Department of Correction uh, bus. Uh, you you know, I was in one of those schools just for a minute. I mean, I was I did most of my life, well, all of it in public school. But I was in a I was in a school when I was young. Uh, where I had the experience of that, you know, uh, for for one term. That's why I lasted, to be quite honest. They they, they ran out of rulers. They, <laughs> they ran out of rulers. And, uh, and, you know, but I got thick knuckles because of it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I do. Um, but one of the other things I want to correct, I have my, my great son here with me, and he reminded me that when I was talking about Volkanowski having a background in Mai Tai, it's not Mai Tai, he would have been drunk if it was Mai Tais. <laughs> because you can't drink many of those Mai Tais. If you have too many of those Mai Tais, they go right to your head, yeah, yeah. And, and you get wobbly, you know, and he wouldn't be able to stand up there if he had, you know, <laughs> too many of those Mai Tais. Uh, my Muay Thai. Muay Thai. I should have corrected you, I no, apologize. No, no, no problem. You didn't hit me with a ruler. <laughs> I appreciate that i mean that from here thank you um yeah muay thai right muay thai muay thai yeah you know which i understand you know it's with the kicking and so you and it's where you really develop almost a calcium deposit on your shin bone am i correct where they they hit it like against you know wood against trees where they actually develop a thicker bone there so that it can handle that kind of impact yeah uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty uh, wild. It's a crazy sport. So, anyway, we got those things corrected. Um, thank you. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. It was an awesome fight. We look forward to uh, talking to George about it and hopefully getting uh, Kamaru Usman on here too. Open invitation for him. We'd love to have a word with him. He's a uh, incredible athlete and a good uh, ambassador of the sport. Oh, he's a, he's a gentleman. Very much. He, he's he's everything that embodies being a champion. Yeah. You know, he he's, I mean, he knows how to behave inside and outside. Yeah. Some people only know one. Some people don't know either. But he knows both. Yeah. He knows both. And he's, he's a special guy. And he is a guy that, you know, his forte is the physical, the stuff, but he's smart. And... He's, he's got these the subtle quickness. Like, I'd love to ask Masvidal, was he quicker than you thought? Like like that last, I don't know, two feet where you got to close the yep. show, you got to close the gap, was it a little faster than you thought or a little trickier mm -hmm. uh, than you thought? And for a guy who's supposed to be heavy on the wrestling side or, you know, the grappling side, the floor side, you know, hey, I'm a I'm prehistoric. I'm a caveman talking about these things, but I know what they are basically. Uh, for a guy who's supposed to be heavy on that side, he can hold his own when he has to, and that was important to note before we go off the air that when Masvidal took it outside, no spurts. If he could have dominated, I know part of it was the conditioning, but and the mentality of what his condition, what he could do. Because Smazvodov has to believe what he can do yeah. and how long he could sustain it. Otherwise, it's, it's not sustainable. But the ability of Usman, almost unnoticed, very subtle, to match a couple punches at the right time, to throw a jab in between, to just do something 
in that area kept the tide from going all the way the other way. Yeah. You know? Uh, so he, yeah, he so point. he's more rounded than you think. Mm -hmm. I guess is the point um, that I'm, you know, that I'm making. Yeah, we'll have to give a shout out to the Nigerians too because Kamaro Usman now has the title, well, still has the title. Israel Adesanya the, the, uh, also has the light heavyweight title. I think it's the light heavyweight title, right? And uh, Anthony Joshua is Nigerian descent also. So Nigerians dominate in combat sports right now. A lot of, uh, a lot of champions. But listen, before we sign off, quick shout out to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Check them out, athleticgreens.com slash atlas. You'll get 20 free travel packs. Again, I love this stuff. I take it every single day. I mean, we reached out to them. They weren't, they weren't a sponsor. It's a product that Rob and I have used for years and um, can't say enough good things about them. These guys spent 10 years with the top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made of 75 whole food sourced ingredients, has vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. This is literally all you need to keep your immune system strong, especially during this COVID situation. I've been taking it every day. I think it's very important to keep your immune system strong during these times. And this product has you covered. Anyway, guys, thanks for being with us. Please weigh in with your comments, share the links. We appreciate all the support. Thanks a lot. I look forward to the next one.